This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Very grateful for my guest today. My guest is a wonderful, phenomenal woman by the name of Shannon Atkins. So who is Shannon? Well, what I can tell you about Shannon is that she is a thought leader and CEO at Future State a woman-owned employee-owned consulting company with a triple bottom line where people get to be themselves. They bring value to their clients by understanding the journey they are on throughout the transformation. After years of working for startups, tech companies, and in corporate America, getting her MBA and starting a family, Shannon decided she wanted to work somewhere where she could be fully expressed as a mom, a volunteer, and a badass woman. Love that. So she went back to Future State. The changes she initiated led to revenue doubling in 24 months, new offerings, new clients in new industries, new teams and leaders, and a new name, Future State. In 2015, she became the CEO and made sure to continue to grow and evolve, officially making it a B Corp. Shannon challenges herself to always ask why and to make sure the answers contribute to creating a world that works for everyone. An eternal optimist, she believes the right team of people can find a radical solution to any problem. Weaving together the opportunity, the business needs, and the collected wisdom of its shareholders, these solutions become clear and executable strategies that lead to continual success. Wow. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Shannon, how are you? I'm doing great this morning, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's an honor and a pleasure. We've been uh, behind the scenes talking about getting this interview going, and here we are. The day has finally arrived, so welcome. So as everybody knows, my format uh, to introducing my guests of each week, it's very organic, it's unscripted. I think it makes for a much more authentic conversation. But one thing I will say uh, about the bio, what I like is when you reference, you know, asking why, which I believe would be synonymous with my asking the question, why not? Why not Shannon Atkins? Why not Future State? Why not making it what you have evolved it into becoming? So let's talk a little bit about where you got that tenacity, where you got that fortitude, where you got that vision, Shannon. When did you know that this was very much the path you were meant to be on? That is such a rich and deep question. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not sure I knew it was the path I was meant to be on until I 
I'd had the role of CEO for about two months. Uh, it, it felt serendipitous. It felt like I hadn't done the work or it had just fallen in my lap. Um, but when I reflected about maybe about six weeks after taking on the job in, in June of 2015, uh, I realized that actually it was a dream I'd held from early in my life. Um, I remember finishing college really committed to making work a place of equality and equity for everyone, a place where everyone can thrive and, and be themselves. And at the time, it was really about women and women's rights and, and thinking I might become a, a lawyer and that might be how I would go about affecting change and, and then deciding, no, you know what, instead, I think I'll be the CEO of a company and I'll change this <laughs> better from the inside. Um, and that was in my 20s. And then, you know, I made it into corporate America. I was on a director and VP track and and found that I wasn't able to really express myself fully in that environment and that the ways that I was expected to kind of change and evolve as a leader were kind of at, at odds with how I was changing and evolving as a mother and as a citizen, as a woman, and kind of gave up on that dream and decided, well, I'll, I'll do incredible work. I'll make a difference in my daily work. I'll make a difference for my team, but CEO is not for me. And, uh, and that really led to me coming back to Future State, in a way taking a step back in my career for what many people would have thought was lesser pay, lesser prestige, you know, an un, a relatively unknown company. Um, and then, you know, kind of going through the paces here at Future State to rebuild our business and and finding myself in the position of CEO, it was this, this aha moment for me of not only am I the CEO of a corporation, I'm the CEO of a woman-owned corporation, I'm the CEO of a corporation that's been in business for 36 years being led by women um, and making the world a better place and, and allowing space for parenthood and humanhood. <laughs> um, and Fantastic. So, you know, through all of that, it was this this journey of self, self-discovery and of, of the, you know, kind of profound unwillingness to sacrifice myself for my career um, that led me to to this place of being able to be fully expressed and, and encourage others to be fully expressed here at Future State. Awesome. Well, if you could kindly contrast for myself and the listening audience, Shannon, based on your experience in both worlds, having that dual reality experience, what is the difference between corporate America and a company like the Future State? Uh, you know, what what did you feel that you had to sacrifice when you were in corporate America versus you being in full alignment with future state? It's a great question. And I, I do hope it's changing. Um, but for me, I, I found that my focus and attention was always on what I now would call my stakeholders, right? My, my team, the people who worked directly for me. And then I was in partnership and alliance management. So it was my team and my partners and my point of view or my belief was if I do what's right for my team, I do what's right for my partners, uh, they will all work harder, we'll be collaborative, we'll have a shared vision, it will be a win-win, and the business results will come. Uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time focusing on am I managing up, am I, um, I built great business cases and produced extraordinary results, but I wasn't always doing the managing up. Um, and it felt to me like that was what was getting rewarded. Folks who were really great at telling their own story or telling the story of how they were making their boss more successful. Um, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, and and it, it, it just felt like, gosh, I mean, that's just not where my, my, I'm naturally oriented. I guess I expect a lot of leaders. I expect leaders to be servant leaders and to um, see the 
the inclusivity of their team is critical to success. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you this, because I oftentimes, Shannon, uh, for the sake of going deeper and giving more content and more for yeah. the listeners to wrap their head around. So let's play devil's advocate for a moment. Yeah. So I, you know, I understand the benefits and the win win uh, and why you would opt to want to go the route of it being a female based company. But knowing that there are a lot of men out there who are more staunch feminists than in some cases, some yeah. Uh, you know, less actualized women, uh, that's not to knock women, um, but we know that men equally bring a different vibe and a different energy and different perspective to the overall dynamic. So do you feel that there's anything lacking being a predominantly female company? Yeah, there has been, absolutely. And in fact, we've been making pretty significant inroads into increasing our own diversity because not only were we woman-owned, we're employee-owned. So for us to achieve the status, you know, the, the certification of woman-owned, we, you have to be more than 50% woman-owned. Well, for us, that's several hundred women. Uh, so we're in fact 87% woman-owned, which really goes to show you that we are lacking diversity. We had, you know, a real lack of men in leadership positions inside of our organization, and that's not supportive of an inclusive environment either. So we're 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 shifting that. We're we're also working on bringing more folks from varying age groups and uh, diverse backgrounds, folks who aren't parents, people who have uh, different educational backgrounds, different, different ethnic and religious backgrounds, uh, different you know cultural backgrounds. So we are working on that journey ourselves. I think that the real, the reality of this is that we want everybody inside of our future state environment to feel like they belong and can bring their full self to work. Um, and, and that needs to be so for 30, 40, 50 year old women, but also for 20 year old women and 18, not, not 18 yet, but 25 year old men and uh, people who are coming back to a career after having parented or had a, had a long duration of travel. So th- those are some of the things that we're really committed to making sure that we're incorporating into our recruiting plans, into our onboarding plans and into our ecosystem and our conversations. Excellent. And so if you could just break down for myself and the listening audience, what is the actual uh, diversified services in which you offer to people uh, within Future State? And how is it that people can connect with you, even for an initial consult? Oh, awesome. Well, we are on the web at www.futurestate.com. It just sounded really old when I said the web. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. <laughs> the World Wide Web. Uh, and so we, we are on the internet. You can find a lot of information about Future State off our website. We've got our blog posts and links to podcasts there. But uh, we're also quite active on LinkedIn. So Future State Inc. on, on LinkedIn. Um, our business is a consulting organization. We support enterprises going through organizational change, organizational transformation. We love working with enterprises that are, you know, anywhere from 150 employees all the way up to 150,000 employees. So in our in our client base, some of our fl- favorite clients are Tarani, uh, which is the syrups that you add to your coffee in the morning or to your shave ice. Um, and they're here in San Francisco, small small-ish family-owned business that we've been able to do really great transformational work around their core processes and supporting their organizational growth and transformation, you know, all the way up to the largest global pharmaceutical organizations on the planet uh, who are helping optimize clinical trials and ensure that they're bringing medicines to patients in a more efficient and innovative manner, leveraging technology, uh, leveraging the insights of the wisdom of patients and of their teams and of doctors. 
So that, that's what we do. And, and we do that by focusing on the human beings that are being impacted by that change and what matters most to them, how they do their work today, how they engage in community today, and how we can empower them to be more effective inside of these new and emerging ways of working uh, you know, today and into the future. So that's who we are. Um, and we're here in Oakland, California, but we work across the globe and about 100 employees and would love to talk to anybody who's got a, a sticky transformational challenge uh, that affects humans, since they all do, uh, to find out a little bit more about our approach. Fantastic. And so given that you're up close and personal with all of this and with all your level of expertise and, and experience, Shannon, what are you noticing firsthand as the quickly changing, evolving threads and themes within the world of business in terms of who adapts, who survives and who becomes extinct in the dinosaur world? Yeah, yeah, that's great. The, the, the number one thing that our clients are coming to us for right now, they don't even have words for what they need, right? So it's moving from, I need great project management, or I need a, a more effective PMO, or I need help with uh, employee engagement to, there are so many moving pieces and there's so much complexity in my business. And I know that I need to put the power of decision-making into the hands of my teams if we're going to get anything done, but I don't have a shared set of data information uh, the complexity of my business is not understood across the entity. How am I going to wrangle and manage all of this complexity and be effective in driving this change or driving this initiative? So we're calling that the need for an adaptive operating model. Um, and we are identifying some of the principles that are in place in an adaptive operating model and the ways that an organization can build an adaptive operating model. It's both being how leaders behave, uh, how teams behave, but also it's doing. So what are the structures and the tools and the systems and the processes that support collaboration across geographic boundaries and across functional domains? We're really finding that, you know, it once was that an enterprise could set a strategy. That strategy might be set for two to three years and they could delegate accountability for execution of that strategy to a function. You know, they could parse it out and say, all right, to my quality team, y'all are going to work on these three initiatives and my regulatory team's going to work on these three initiatives and my product development team's going to work on these three initiatives. Go. Um, but we're finding that organizations are ineffective when they're not really collaborating end-to-end -end and seeing and integrating workflows end-to-end -end and metrics end-to-end -end and incentives end-to-end. So that all of your functions are connected in their commitment to that end game. And we, we started with that conversation of why. Uh, it really does come down to clarity on why. Clarity on what? Yes, but first and foremost, clarity on why, what, how, and the structures and mechanisms to ensure that that's dynamic and adaptive. So we see things like the adoption of the platform that Facebook has launched, it's called Workplace. So you think of it as Facebook inside of the enterprise to really tune into that organizational chatter, that communication, enable those work groups to collaborate in real time, share information and share a set of data that is connected, transparent and visible to the entire enterprise. Fantastic. And so how would you personally, professionally, uh, Shannon, define the, or characterize the current culture of leadership from your standpoint? Yeah, we're, we're using the term connected. Um, 
there's a lot that's embedded in the word connected and, and we're not the only ones using it. Uh, but this notion that you cannot be an executive in, you really can't even be an executive in an office these days, right? We have our open concept uh, spaces, but you need to be out listening and engaging and connecting with all of your stakeholders in an, in an authentic and transparent way. Um, so the leaders that are thriving today are leaders who are synthesizers of information, extraordinarily effective communicators, uh, brilliant at connecting action to purpose and to mission and to strategy. Um, and, and really that's the work of an executive today is that synthesizing, connecting and communicating effectively so that folks can orient and find themselves and sort of inside of that path forward. Fantastic. And so, you know, knowing what's very pivotal to keep things thriving and flourishing and blooming, and but also knowing how busy you guys are every single day building the actual business and utilizing everybody's individual level of expertise, how do you bring it back to the collaborative staff level in terms of employee retention and making sure that everybody is still feeling that they're committed and all in and wanting to show up every day and bringing their A game? So one thing that I've noticed is that org charts, you know, sort of the, the traditional org design and the traditional performance management structures, they, they're still important. It's important that everyone has clarity on who is my manager, who is my partner in ensuring that I have a career path and that I'm being invested in, and who do I go to for support, guidance, and coaching. Um, but those networks of collaboration and um, those ecosystems that are more naturally occurring, um, those squads that pop up because there is an initiative that needs to be driven forward and it's assigned to a cross-functional team to move it forward, uh, I think are the places where people are really getting their juice um, and their purpose and their meaning and, and seeing their ability to make a difference. Human beings are simple, right? We want to feel respected. We want to feel valued. Uh, we want to have the experience of making a difference and doing work that's meaningful. Uh, and so that is, yes, the job of a manager, but it's not just the manager anymore. It's that opportunity to bring forth those uh, challenges that the business is facing and invite your ecosystem to participate and helping to be a part of that problem. We've been using a lot of ideation blitzes inside of our own organization as we deal with uh, challenges. We have team members who are in the field. They don't come into the office every day. They don't know each other, you know, from a, we sit together in a meeting on a daily basis. They're out at client sites and they're working with their clients and their client teams, but we'll bring the group together and we'll spend, you know, even as little as an hour blitzing uh, an idea or a challenge statement that we've got for the business and bringing in a broad group of our team members so that they really have the opportunity to say, yeah, that's been bugging me. I'm not sure why I have 14 different platforms for communication. Can we simplify that? <laughs> right? One group that need to go. Um, and here's my idea on how we might solve that. Um, and that's been great. It's been great for me as a CEO because I am meeting frontline employees and engaging with them in a really meaningful way. Uh, mm -hmm. letting them bring their, their creative juices to the table, uh, not just talking at them in an all-hands meeting. That all-hands meeting is important. Those communications cascades are important, but getting people in and letting them work together on a true challenge in the business is, is really something that I think every leader should be doing. Super. And so being at the helm, Shannon, and the buck of accountability and leadership starting and stopping with you, what do you find within that role to be your greatest challenge and how do you combat or leverage that? Oh, my, my humanity. 
my own my own sensitivity. I'm a I'm a I take things personally. I'm working on it. Uh, but you know, in that moment where I am attached to people's perception of me, uh, the whether or not they like me, whether or not they think I'm doing the right thing. Uh, it, it takes away from my ability to listen and to be present because I want to start to defend. I want to, I want to solve it for them. I want to make them feel better. I want to just, you know, get through the icky part faster. Uh, and learning to lean into those moments of conflict uh, and those moments of, uh, you know, emotion without crying uh, <laughs> right. is, is definitely, you know, my, my learning edge. I've learned a lot. I continue to learn, uh, but making space for my own humanity, doing the work to, you know, find that space in between where I can really listen and be present and, and, and giving myself permission to say, thank you for the feedback. I'm going to need a little bit of time to integrate that. I'll get back to you tomorrow and let you know what, what I think the right next step is on that and giving myself the space to not have to fix it in, in the moment every time. Okay. So throughout the course of this conversation, I was looking for the right segue and the right subject matter to go even deeper. And I think we just hit upon it right now, <laughs> Shannon. Um, so yes, we know that feedback is good. We know that feedback is necessary. We know that we have to be open and receptive in which for, you know, true change to arise. And especially within the culture of business and all those moving parts being part of the wheelhouse and, and, and getting that off the ground and nurturing that. So I, I understand and I certainly respect the necessity for that but I also understand that within the role of leadership you know you're going to have a million and one different people's perspectives some people are going to love what you do they're going to see yeah. the vision and some people are just not going to align with it but at the end of the day there still has to be that boundary and that respect for you may not see what I see and that's okay eventually you'll catch up to that but at the end of the day it's you know this is the way it's got to go so you're either on board or you're not. And I think that line does need to be drawn because I think sometimes when emotions get too clouded or we get too caught up, and I'm not suggesting this is the case for you at all, Shannon, based on your last answer to my last question. Um, but, you know, women particularly can get caught up in, you know, does this person like me? Does this person, uh, you, you know, it, it, we sometimes can very easily sway or navigate off the kilter of what we deem to be in the best interest because we just want to be more cohesively aligned with people, even if it's not aligned within ourselves, within the the outcome or the vision in which we need to execute upon. Um, and I know from having worked in, in predominantly female-driven uh, agencies, of course, women's shelters specifically, you mm. have all kinds of different levels of feminism factoring in. You've got all kinds of different philosophies on, you know, how things should be um, executed on or what the philosophical fundamental core beliefs should be. But at the end of the day, leadership is leadership. And, you know, yeah. you're, you've, you've got to make that final decision regardless of who likes you, who doesn't like you. So how do you get past that, either through who you deem to be your mentor, or who you yeah. seek out? So maybe talk a little bit more about that, Shannon. Yeah, I have so many, so many coaches and advisors. Uh, absolutely. I, I do lean on my advisors. Um, there is some truth to the statement, but it's lonely. At the top. Um, and, and having folks that are going to be able to give you, you know, the real, the real truth uh, and, and commit to taking action and lying to that is, is really important. I think for me, the why, it, it, I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record, but it does come back to the why it does come back to the purpose. And then it's, 
what what's been building upon that is the gut. So the first and foremost is I know what I'm trying to create here at Future State. I want to build an organization um, that is unlike any other in the management consulting space. We're committed to creating wealth for our employee owners and to providing breakthrough experiences for the teams that we work with at our client sites. And I'm, I'm unflappable in my commitment to our vision and our, our vision of making the world a better place, making work better for, for humanity. What I got tripped up on was kind of this place of conflict is good. No, did I lose you? Are you guys there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, good. I just had my screen change. Sorry about that. Uh, conflict is good. And I also need to know when I know what I know and I'm going to pursue it with confidence. So this imposter syndrome idea of, well, maybe that idea is better than my idea. Maybe, maybe I'm on the wrong path. Maybe I need to, maybe I do need to take a different course of action. So finding that balance and listening and synthesizing. But then when you know that you need to move in a different direction or you need to make a change to staff or personnel, you're absolutely right. Being confident in that, being decisive in that. I found myself having to practice like, yes, the decision is made. Saying those words was difficult for me. I would hedge and say, well, I'm leaning in this direction and I think I've made a decision, but of course I'm still open to input. And there was a moment in time where I needed to call it and say, this may be an unpopular decision, but the decision is made. Thank Beautiful. you for the feedback that you provided and we're moving on now. And then of course with love and, and, and I say love, I mean true love for my team members, if it's not right for them, supporting them and making that decision and moving to a different environment, moving into a different role or moving on to a new, new company. Um, and, and that's, that's true respect for my team and it's true respect for our business and the, and the purpose and mission that, mission that we're on. Beautiful. Well, I always go back to the reference, uh, the quote, the adage, however you choose to reference it from Byron Katie. She very clearly stipulates and it's all encompassing. It's not your job to like me. It's my job to like me. And I think yeah. that's self-explanatory. So I think I think when we're we're questioning ourselves, as I think as leaders, we always should, you know, getting yeah. integral with ourselves, with our decision. And and as you said, coupling it with the why, if you can explain the why and the why connecting the dots goes back to what is the mission statement? What is the objective? And if your why and your goal, your vision, your decision aligns with that, then, you know, it doesn't matter what residual feedback you get or repercussions or fallout. At the end of the day, you can always say, you know what, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about being integral with the mission, because if we're doing and saying whether we have a difference of opinion or strategy or not, but if this aligns with the mission, then we know that we're executing properly. We know that we are going forward in the correct uh, direction in which we need to for the betterment of our clients and for the delivery of service we say we offer and guarantee. That's right. With the data and information that we have today, this is the decision we're making. And we are moving forward in that direction. I think that one of the challenges of business in the 21st century and the pace of change is you will make your best, best guess about what is the right, you, know, you may have the strategy down, but what is the right tactic to execute against that strategy? And you may have a portfolio of initiatives that you're going to try, especially if you're doing something no one's ever done before, right? Um, to do, you're gonna try something to see if that gets you the results that you're committed to, and it might not work. So helping the organization, uh, being transparent, not only in the decisions that are being made, but in the decision-making process and how I arrived at the decision and 
Who did I get data and information from? How did I synthesize that information? What, what was based on your qualitative feedback? What's based on quantitative data? What's based on my understanding of the competitive landscape and the future of work? Therefore, I'm arriving at this conclusion and I will revisit it, but we're going to play this out for the next three to six weeks to see if this, if we get new data that tells us we're on the right track. And if we're not, we'll pivot. So I think there is something in the this adaptability and, and, and how folks are working today in a much more of a test and try and evolve and see if it works that can get muddy for team members. And well, she changed her mind. She's doing it differently now. And, and I think it's really important and challenging as a leader to articulate that journey of learning and discovery inside of the strategy and decision-making journey as well and, and to make that transparent and clear to your team members. Well, you said something that's really interesting. I want to dissect that a little bit and extrapolate upon it. So, you know, when people call it your team members, call it just hypothetical conversation, when people say, oh, she's doing something different, my concern always as a leader when I'm, you know, at the helm or I'm I'm trying to precipitate change in people and get them to think from a different myriad of perspective. You know, when people get caught up in the, but we've always done it this way, or we've never yeah. done it that way before. Well, you know what? That kind of thinking in itself is what constitutes the need for change because things yeah. are forever changing. And if we're in this line of business doing what we're supposed to be doing more so than ever, you have to catch up with the times and be relevant. And you have to be willing to flip things on their head all the time, knowing how exponential uh, things change momentously. Yeah, and the change agents of yesterday are the, well, we've always done it that way of today. <laughs> so we, we've been through three really massive transformations at Future State. And, uh, you know, in the first transformation, the, the body of people who were driving that change, the body of people who are saying we've got to shift, are now the folks who are less comfortable with what's becoming our next needed shift, right? So mm -hmm. I think recognizing that and, and by the way, we're change management experts. So that's you know, right. <laughs> human, Better human walk your talk. Yeah. Better walk your talk, people. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but recognizing that today human beings become attached to their point of view. It's totally natural. Um, it is, it is, we can have empathy for it, we can design for it, we can solve for it. Um, but absolutely right. When when a team member says to me, Well, I just hope this is the last time we change this. You know, oh, really being clear with them and saying it, it isn't, it won't be, it can't be, um, especially because we're looking to innovate in our industry. We're looking to break the norms of management consulting in many, many, many ways. There is a playbook out there for how to do management consulting, and we tore out 92% of the pages, right, because we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, you know, finding people who've been there, done that is kind of a, um, a false option when you're truly an innovator in your space. You want to find people who, who say, I don't know, but I think this could work. Let's try. Here's mm -hmm. why I think it's the right path forward. Well, going back to what you just said there in terms of using the example, you know, uh, well, I hope this is the last time that we change this. For <laughs> me, that would be a red flag. That would be yep. a sh because then I would be looking at that person going, how adaptive are you? How okay. committed are you to the vision? How, how much are you willing to shift within yourself, knowing that by doing so, we're always playing and bringing our A game to the clients because things are evolving so rapidly in the tech space uh, and in, in what you do consultancy wise. So if the people who are driving that 
aren't aligned with that caliber of momentum or that willing to pivot as quickly as what is needed, then I'm kind of going, okay, you know, because I do believe we're as strong as our weakest link. And if, if that kind of mindset has the potential to keep us stuck or not propel us forward on the trajectory of where we say we want to go as quickly as what we should be willing to, to expedite things, then that's a real cause for concern. Yeah. I have someone in my organization uh, her name is Lynette. She's might be listening, and she's been with Future State for her entire career. Um, so I'm not going to say how many years that is, but it's not just a few. And and this organization has gone through so so very many transformations in that long journey. And Lynette is a, loves clarity. She likes things to be clear and absolute. And so there have been moments through that change that have been incredibly challenging for her individually, personally, professionally. But what has kept her leaning into that change and you know struggling through it and getting her head around it and making it work for her is her deep commitment to the vision of the organization. So again, we'll come back to this. Yes, it's about what's in it for me, but what's in it for me on a personal level is only going to get us so far in a competitive yes. market. It's only going to get us so far, so far. So yeah, you can offer me more money, but if at the end of the day, what what you're up to as an enterprise doesn't light me up, doesn't inspire me, doesn't make me think I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I'll find something else if the, if the change is too hard. I really will. But if I'm committed to that outcome, I am committed to that vision and I'm willing to go on that bumpy journey with you in, in pursuit of the achievement of that vision, I'll break myself up as a human being. I will, I will push through those moments of like, am I still valued? Does this still work? Will I be successful? Can I change my skill set? Can I evolve fast enough to meet the demands of our shifting business? And I'll, I'll put myself right in that shift. So I think that's, you know, kind of coming full circle to what does the leader of the 21st century need to do? They need to do all of these things, but again, they got to make sure they're crystal clear on the, their own personal purpose and the purpose of the business. And then, you know, the purpose of every single person in their organization and find those threads of connection because, yeah, unemployment, low, lots of great opportunities to work in, in exciting and dynamic environments and bring your best self to work. Uh, how do we make sure that we're creating work environments that are connecting personal wise and professional wise with our, with our organizational why? Absolutely. And I think one of the toughest things that a lot of people experience when they're at the helm, it's, you know, trying not to get distracted with the the handholding and the coddling for the people who are having, uh, you know, there's more resistance, uh, for, Mm -hmm. for example. Or because people can't see the vision as quickly as what you do, they, they can't really wrap their head around it, or because it's a new foreign concept that they have to need, they need to learn or to uh, apply or incorporate, that requires work, that requires thought process, that requires sometimes a completely recalibrated mindset, and people have a hard time changing. People can say that they want to be a part of something, call it an agency, a corporation, a business, or whatever where it's all about dynamically shifting. It's all about momentous growth. It's all about uh, innovation and creativity. But people have to recognize that if you're going to be an instrumental part or piece within that, you too have to be wired that way. And if you're yeah. not if you're not wired, uh, but you still want to be a part of that, then I, I suggest you go back and ask yourself, what is your why that makes you either want to get on board or jump ship? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, life is short. <laughs> yeah. You know, when my when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I was in my mid mid to late twenties, 
And I was on a path of just work, 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 you know, and kind of resigned to the fact that I was going to work for and with some jerky people. Um, and there were going to be moments of it that I really hated and it was going to suck for a period. <laughs> and my mom got sick and she was young. She was 49 when she was diagnosed. And it was this incredible, incredibly transformative moment for me in which I realized, wow, life really is short and we have no guarantees and suffering is optional. I do not have to suffer a single day in my environment. And, and I set a goal, I set a deadline for myself, which was if there are 10 days in a row that I show up to work and I wish I was somewhere else, I will quit my job, even if I don't know where I'm going next. Because mm-hmm. I know myself to be a positive person. I know myself to be someone who can find the purpose in a lot of activities and can find the good in a lot of people. And if for 10 days, I want to be anywhere but there, I'm not going to do the work to turn it around. I'm just, I probably am not. If I haven't in 10 days, I'm not going to do it on the 11th day. Beautiful. I I had to pull that trigger three times in my career of this is no longer a place that I can thrive. This is no longer a place that I'm, that I'm excited to come and I got to go. And what makes 10 the magical common denominator number for you? That was for me, it was 10 days in a row. That would mean for two weeks straight, I, I was miserable at work. I just, you know, I just knew I, w- I wouldn't do the work. There, Something wasn't going to magically happen in week, week three because I'm physically uncomfortable when I'm unhappy, when I'm mm-hmm. upset. Uh, and I've been here now at Future State for nine years on this go around, this, this turn the coming back in 2010. Uh, I've had bad days. I've had bad hours, but I've never had two, two bad days in a row. <laughs> three bad days in a row I've had days where I'm like oh I don't want to go to work today and I go for a walk I go you know I find my mentors I find my advisors to try to I read a book I listen to a podcast to get my mojo back um Mm -hmm. but I yeah I I think everyone's got their right their own right set point right um yes and and finding it though but really realizing that at the end of the day you have you have your voice to shift mm-hmm. and evolve the organizations that you're a part of and your vision and your creativity. And then you have your feet. <laughs> if they can't shift in a way that's meaningful to you as an individual and you don't see yourself there, you have the opportunity to go find a place that will, and it is out there. Um, and pursuing that fearlessly is, uh, is something that I think everybody, everybody deserves that right. Mm-hmm. I do recognize it as a privilege, but I, I, I would like that for every person uh, on the planet to have the opportunity to choose work that is fulfilling to them. Bingo. Well, you said something else that was paramount there, Shannon, and it all goes back to, you know, choices. So if you know that you're sitting in a a not good space, a counterintuitive space, and it really defeats the cause, or it, it really defies what it is you say or proclaim the direction for which you want to go in, and you know that that energy is going to keep you immobilized in fear or complacency or mediocrity, then yes, you've got to go, you've got to dig deep. And it's not necessarily about jumping ship. It's like going, okay, if I'm going to get on board with this, if I'm going to bring my A game, if I'm going to show up and be a contributor, and I'm going to bring a positive voice to the collective, then I have to go, okay, what do I need to do to recalibrate my thinking? You know, and as you suggested, uh, you go, for a walk or you consult with mentors or you bounce things off of people or you take a little step away from it before you know getting back into it so you can bring that additional level and layer of clarity to it so I think a lot of people this is what makes you a leader Shannon is a lot of people again that's work they're not committed to doing the work because oftentimes when you are you got to confront your own BS you've got to you know you've got to confront your own 
counterintuitive self-defeatist type thoughts. Uh, and it's easier to subscribe to victimology. It's easier to just want yourself and other people to lick your own wounds and go, oh, there, there, you're doing a great job. People just don't appreciate you. You know, like people spin it all kinds of different ways, yeah. but you've, you've got to make the choice. And if you're not all in, then you got to be all out because at the end of the day, if you're not bringing it, then everybody else, not just your team, but the people that you're delivering service to are going to suffer. So if you have enough respect, whether you're aligned with it or not, for how other people are going to suffer as a result of your choices, either poor choices, lack of choices or apathy, then you got to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I think it's such an interesting question. I agree with everything you said, 100% in every bone of my body. And I recognize that the um, the skills and the tools and the ways of learning how to use your voice, how to be an influencer, how to communicate what you need and want with clarity and conviction and in a, I'm going to use the word clean way, right? And in, mm-hmm. in, a, in, in, a, in a matter of fact way. Um, is not a skill that our kids are learning in school. It's not school kids. It's not a skill that most employers are teaching their team members that are coming in straight out of college. And we've we've just invested actually quite heavily in in. Te- it's going to sound really basic, but teaching everyone on our team how to make a request, how mm-hmm. to establish the conditions of satisfaction. We're working with an extraordinary coach named Jennifer Kenny. How to declare a breakdown when it's not going as expected, how to communicate your expectations so that Mm -hmm. people understand what success looks like. Very simple things that we as humans are really bad at. We're not just bad at it at work. We're bad at it everywhere. We're bad at it in our marriages. We're bad at it with our friends. Bad at it with our kids. Um, You know, being a mom is way harder than being a CEO. (laughs) Bingo. The skills that I have to build to be a capable and effective human benefit me at work. They benefit me in my life. They benefit me in my marriage, benefit me with my kids. Um, But the breakdowns that occur at work, somehow we've decided, you know, you wouldn't tolerate, you wouldn't tolerate two, three weeks going by with your child with, with you having feelings of, um, disdain (laughs) for your child uh, without taking some action to try to figure out how to intervene. What can I shift? Who can I reach out to? How am I going to get this information? But somehow we've been conditioned to think that work is a different place, that, that we're supposed to and expected to suffer at work, that we, we shouldn't expect it to be a place where we can experience joy and love and um, humanity and fail publicly and still be, respected and all of the things that we expect from every other domain in our lives are hopefully, you know, people mm-hmm. who are well are expecting from every other domain of their life. Um, and that's got to shift, right? It's just, it's just got to shift for humanity, for the globe, for, for wellness, for our health outcomes. It's got Absolutely. Well, once upon a time when I used to do very differently what I do now, although it's all interconnected because it was people-related, relationships, connections-based. But when I was a director of social services, senior management, you know, when it came to interviewing, I threw the script out. It was very much about, because you can teach people skills. Uh, You can't teach them necessarily innately how it is that they already think or the mindset they're going to bring to something. So I would ask them, you know, what types of books 
are you reading? What type of material do you gravitate towards? Who have been your tangible, intangible mentors? And why would the reason for that be? Uh, you know, how do you define leadership? Because I want a whole bunch of leaders on the team. There's uh, there's no hierarchy here because to me, the mistake that a lot of leaders make, for example, depending on the, the kind of business or corporation you have, a lot of leaders get insecure and they feel that they've got to hoard the information so that they stand yeah. out as, you know, if this person wasn't around, we'd all fall apart. Well, if yeah. you're a leader, you don't ever create that type of environment. You should be able to go away on vacation for two weeks and business move as smoothly as if you were still there uh, to supervise it That's or right. to, to be instrumental in the navigation of that. Uh, but too many people get caught up in, in the ego related to their titles uh, or their positions, and they get a very skewed sense of what it means to implement leadership across the board. I want everybody to be a leader. And I say that. Be your own hero. Be your own shero. Be your own leader. Be your own best friend. Because if you can develop that type of self-actualized autonomy uh, and, and clarity and confidence within yourself, then that's what you're bringing to the team. That's what you're bringing to the clients. That's what you're bringing energetically to everybody. And energy attracts everything. It sure does. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. And, and it's so much so that, um, you know, when we think about how do you know that you have a built a business that's sustainable and scalable and ready to grow, we future state are asking ourselves this question often we're, we're you know 80 to 100 employees depending on the time of year um it's exactly that when when i'm not doing 80 percent of the selling right when i'm not doing when my coo isn't doing 40 percent of the budget reviews <laughs> when when we have a, a effective infrastructure uh and we have scale is when there are 15 people that can do both and they're bringing us innovations and opportunities to improve. Beautiful. And so what does living fearlessly mean to you, Shannon, in the way that you've lived your life, different situations, obstacles, uh, adversity types, circumstances and scenarios that you've been presented with? What is the common denominator that you always shine through when it comes to living fearlessly? Because, again, it's a choice. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to do some pretty deep work when my mom got sick and I created a mission statement for my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's to live a life of adventure and making a difference. Beautiful. So I balance those both, right? And and it, it does have embedded in it and have fun, you know, <laughs> enjoy it, mm -hmm. smile a lot, laugh a lot, um, experience a lot of new things, stretch myself, grow myself. Um, people often tell me, wow, you get more done in a in a weekend than I do all year, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of going out and hiking and uh, experiencing new new opportunities to interact in the world. Uh, but I think I'll always, I, I don't know if you have to have a traumatic experience to have the aha moment of, wow, I get one life and I'm really gonna make it matter. Um, it seems to be that there's some, there's some common thread there of, of, of a life-changing aha moment that makes you realize I got to get, I got to get out there and make a difference or I've got to get out there and be my best self or see my, see the best world I can see. Um, but I think that's it. We, we, I met a, I met a Lyft driver the other night. I'll just tell you this story quickly because he inspired me so much. Uh, I got in his car, his beautiful car. He was well-dressed, lovely guy, older gentleman. And we got in the car and he's, we started talking and somehow he said, yeah, I'm just starting. I just picked up my flute. 
I've been playing flute all afternoon. And I said, oh, is music how you make your make your main living is, is lift driving on, on top of that? And he said, well, I actually haven't played the flute. I'm not really actually a flute player. I'm a saxophone player, but I haven't played in 10 years. He's probably 72 years old, I guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't played in 10 years because 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with a medical condition um, that's a, a, a semi-ruptured blood vessel uh, in my brain. And the doctors are concerned that if I blow too hard on my saxophone it will rupture and i'll die uh and he said but i picked up the saxophone yesterday and i'm gonna pick it up again tomorrow and i'm gonna be playing the saxophone again because what am i doing just sitting here waiting to die (laughs) love it (laughs) you know love it it's the thing that gives me joy in my life it is who i am i am a saxophone player it is it is my identity it's who i am it's what i'm put on this earth to do so i'm gonna do it and well, I, I love that story and that example for so many reasons. And I appreciate you sharing that and imparting that to myself and the listening audience, Shannon, because, you know, we talk about this quite extensively on the show, Living Fearlessly. It's, you know, we all know that it's inevitable that we're going to pass on in this realm of what we understand the physical sense of the here and now to be. And knowing that to be true and knowing that we don't have a crystal ball in which to determine what that timeline would look like for each of us individually you know, are you going to assume that there's going to be tomorrow? No. If this is your last 24 hours on the planet, how then through your choice and your mindset, are you going to choose to use your time wisely or not wisely at all? Mm -hmm. Again, it's Mm -hmm. a choice. So, you know, I love that example because I want to go out doing what I absolutely love. So if I'm croaking on radio or, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, that's perfectly fine by me because that's indicative of how I chose to live my life. Right. I wasn't living in the shadows or, or fulfilling somebody else's script of what they felt I should be doing or how I should be emitting my energy or how I should be choosing to live my journey. Uh, That's a choice indicative to each and every one of us. But some people get so immobilized by, well, if I do this or I venture into this or I take this risk or leap of faith, uh, that's going to upset the apple cart. People are going to think I'm like having a midlife crisis or people are going to think that I'm doing this for all kinds of different uh, reasons that may not be specific to why I know I need and want to do this, why my soul feels a burning, yearning desire and a compulsion in which to do this. So when you stop, when your why doesn't become centered on everyone else's understanding or definition or precursor for what why should be, you got to figure out what why is for you. Or again, synonymously, what I say is why not? Why not Mm -hmm. me? Why not Mm -hmm. radio? Why not interviewing Shannon Atkins? Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah, why not CEO? Why not? Why not CEO? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not sail around the world? Why not, you know, take my kids out of school and do a service trip in Costa Rica for six months? Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So being cognizant of time, Shannon, what, what would you want, you know, one of the fundamental takeaways or breakthroughs or aha moments or epiphanies in which to share with the listening audience? I think we have caught them all, but I think what was coming up for me, actually, when you said the word midlife crisis was, mm-hmm. you know, one person's midlife crisis is another person's breakthrough, butterfly, right? you know, and so I think it's trust yourself, mm-hmm. trust your trust that you were loved, you know, you are loved, even if you don't know by whom you are loved, the universe, you know, humanity, and you will find you will find even greater 
self-expression and intimacy and connection by tapping into your own source of truth and your own power. Um, and it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. My dad just passed in February and his favorite saying, we made buttons that it said, his favorite saying that he said all the time was, and everything's going to be okay in the end. And if it isn't okay, it isn't the end. Oh, I love that. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Well, and that's something central to what I say in all my books and my verbiage and with my mentoring clients. There's no such thing as the end. I don't preface any of my books uh, with the end. It's always the beginning. Because for somebody who's staunchly committed and fiercely committed to their own growth and evolution of learning and discovering and unearthing and adventuring and being in that wondrous childlike spirit, how can something resonate with you whether it's the final chapter of a book or whatever, and then you close the last page and you say that it's the ending. Well, no, because if you're really tapped into that, it's resonating with you. That's going to change and shift within you. And that's a new layer and level of clarity or honing or whatever the case might be. So it's it's the beginning because if you're receptive to new information and new perspectives, you're always learning. There's no cap on that. There's no expiry date on that. But again, yeah. that's a choice. Yep. Absolutely. So where can people find you again, Shannon? So I'm on LinkedIn, Shannon Adkins, E-D-K-I-N-S, and uh, CEO of Future State. Future State's on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a definite LinkedIn junkie. Uh, so I accept, I accept friend requests from most everyone. Uh, so if, if you want to connect more, that's the place to find me. Uh, personally and then and then the finding future state on LinkedIn and on the website. Fantastic. Well if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was LinkedIn that you and I first initially connected. Am I right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like LinkedIn. It's like minded people who it converts, right? It becomes a real discussion because oftentimes there's so many entrepreneurs on there and we value each other's time. We know what goes into having a phone call, taking something to the next level. Uh, so I'm very grateful that we found each other on LinkedIn. I'm really grateful for this interview and for everything that you continue to do to pay it forward and to be of service, Shannon. I just want to say good on you. Okay. And uh, I applaud you for your efforts, your contributions, and I think you're stellar and you're welcome back here anytime awesome i'm looking forward to it it'll be fun to reconnect again and see what that next chapter unfolded absolutely and for the listening audience i want to thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule for connecting with living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald and my guest of today shannon atkins would really encourage you to reach out to shannon she's a powerhouse doing amazing things for other people in their lives and in their business and uh, i look forward to seeing you next friday again my purpose which i'm very clear on is to uplift you to fear less and to live more love and gratitude take care all my best bye-bye Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. 
be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.